630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. 1-1, Cubs, Indians, top of the fourth, game seven of the World Series. We will keep you updated. Don't forget, Saturday, we have another doubleheader here on 6.30, Ched. We will have the Eskimos and the Argos in the afternoon. Coverage will start with the pregame show at 12.30. They'll kick it off at 2. As soon as that game ends, we'll go to Brooklyn for the Oilers-Islanders game. 5 o'clock face-off. Rob and I will have overtime open line after the game. So that's an exciting day coming up Saturday afternoon into the evening. First, though, we're going to bring you the Oilers and the Rangers tomorrow, 3.30 in the afternoon for the face-off show, 5 o'clock for the drop of the puck. The Oilers win in their last two. They're 7-2-1. and one. The Rangers looking good at 7-3. and three. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. It's 7.06 and I'm pleased to welcome Rangers analyst Dave Maloney to the line who I'm also proud to introduce as the 14th overall pick in the 1974 amateur draft. There you go, Dave. There you go. Yeah, barely people barely alive remember that draft. That's for sure. <laughs> no, the draft. I've been to the last three drafts uh, for, for work. Right. Uh, like, did you attend a draft? Did you get a phone no. call? What happened? No, actually, um, I was in a grade twelve at St. Jerome's High School in Kitchener, Ontario, and before Alan Eagleson got into all kinds of trouble. Um, he had a sports management firm that I had uh, been involved with. I worked at Bobby Orr's camp when I was a kid. I went there as a counselor or a camper. And make a long story short, he had, uh, I think there were seven of us taken in the first round that year. He had hosted kind of a reception uh, in Toronto uh, late in the afternoon or early evening. And I was on my way to that reception and uh, heard on the radio that I'd been taken by the Rangers. So it's certainly a lot different uh, now, but it was pretty exciting then, as I'm sure it's exciting now. Uh, Well, that's awesome, and I'm glad you referenced the high school you were going to in in Kitchener. I was born in Kitchener-Waterloo in 1974, and my my dad was a teacher, I believe, at Forest Heights. He's probably listening. Correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Sure. That that school rings a bell, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, it sure does. Of course, us Catholic kids could never go to those Protestants school so <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go that, 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 that was the dividing line and it was pretty simple in those days but yeah so yeah i know where forest heights is and then uh actually i still have my mother and uh two sisters and a brother still live in kitchener so i get back there in the summer oh awesome stuff um you know you you, you played defense for uh, how many games did you mm-hmm. get get up to 657 nhl games mostly with with the rangers you were we're gonna see a fast guy tomorrow night the game's getting faster mm-hmm. and faster from when you played you know a, a fast guy or two that you really remember who could uh, who could hurt you with his wheels oh would have been lafleur um he comes to the top of the uh, – he was a bit of an outlier with his speed. But the difference in Algene is, is uh, it's not so much straightforward straight speed. It, it, you know, it's the ability to kind of move laterally, I, you know, in almost like water bug type style and, and change direction. And uh, I, I, I think any generation of the game would have been 
better had we been privy to how this gen or well the millennials and younger how they have grown up. I mean, when you think about um, these kids now have you know edge coaches, shooting coaches. Um, what did I hear last night? I mean, uh, Connor McDavid has some si- sort of dietary coach or something like that. You're like, <laughs> holy smokes. <laughs> I don't know how these guys could ever just get, get out on their own and, and live a little on their own, but uh, it sure makes for a different product, and I'm not certainly not going to be one of those dinosaurs that say, well, when we played this and that, I- I'm telling you right now, this game is an awful lot of fun to watch now. These guys are pretty talented. I got to keep people updated. Cubs just uh, got another run in here, so 2 1 in the top of the fourth. I don't know if Cleveland's going to mm-hmm. close play at the plate. I don't know if Cleveland's going to challenge or, or not. Well, it's funny. Guy Boucher was through town with Ottawa on Sunday, and, and that was an mm-hmm. incredible performance by Craig Anderson, obviously. And uh, kudos to the, mm-hmm. the Oilers fans who, who stayed to, to cheer. But Boucher called McDavid and Matthews part of the machine generation where they're just geared to be i thought that was an interesting yeah. uh way, way to put it how yeah. they you know like you said they have so many resources to to gear their lives towards being great athletes you know and you know what too dean and, and then they come in with this sense of entitlement uh which a lot of times the connotation of that is not generally great but uh, what i like about them is they're, they're fearless uh, and, and it's not so much the physical thing. It, it's just they're fearless to do things that, you know, and for the long time you wouldn't try. I'm telling you, if you were caught carrying the puck through the neutral zone as a rookie, you know, you'd get chastised. That thing had to get off your stick and into the offensive zone as quickly as you got it until you proved your worth in the league. And I just think, I think the real eye-opener, and I'm certainly not going to be the first guy to suggest this, was that Team North America group in the World Cup. And I, I think what that's done is it's, it's really opened the eyes to the, this generation and what's coming in, in this game. This game is changing, and, uh, and it's forcing. I'll tell one story. Tanner Glass, a veteran player, he's playing in Hartford now. He played Vancouver and, and, um, and out west. Um, so Tanner's in his early 30s. He, he hired a physiologist this summer. And what they found, he was 50% weaker in his lower body and the right side. And so he went to work on that part of his body. He came back to camp. He looked quicker, unbeknownst to any of us, until he told us the story. The point is now, if you're going to spend some money in the offseason, regardless of where you are in the career, you have a chance to make money. (laughs) So 25 or 50 grand to make seven or 800,000 is a pretty good investment. Uh, that's funny too. You know, I interviewed Phil Esposito in the summer, and he told great stories at working, I think, in Sudbury in the summer for half uh-huh. of his career, like uh-huh. at like a plant or something like that. So sure. yeah, it's a little different yeah. nowadays. Oh, it, it's totally different. I played my first year pro. I was an underage draft pick, so I was just eighteen. But I played in Providence, Rhode Island, my first year, and I was playing with guys. You know, the older guys in those days were. 30, you know, uh, but they had been career minor leaguers. I, I remember playing with Kenny Campbell and Normie Dennis, Wayne Trinicki. These guys were working in maybe in a brewery or in a, you know, as a used car or a car salesman or different things. And, you know, they're making 20, 25,000, if that, playing in the minors as career minor leaguers. And that's mid 70s. So it, it's certainly a long enough time ago that it's becoming ancient history. Uh, but the history of this game has a, a very colorful history beyond now what is 
the machine generation. Yeah, for sure. Dave Maloney joining us, talking about the uh, New York Rangers who are coming off a uh, convincing win over the St. Louis Blues. And I uh, just used the old Google machine earlier today, and I saw Larry Brooks's headline, Speed, Smarts, and Hustle, Why the Rangers Are For Real. Now, we all know Larry's not nearly as interesting since he lost John Tortorella as a foil. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, he's making the comparison. The Rangers started hot last year, um, but maybe that was a bit of a mirage. Uh, but but uh, Larry seemed convinced about the Rangers this time around. Where are you at, Dave? Uh, first of all, it looks like it's 3-1 Cubs, so that's that's good for the Cubby fans, of which I'm one of them. So, anyway, uh, I, I think um, there's no uh, question that this is a different... Um, it's a more of a legitimate start. I think it's funny, when you talk to the, the, this, the core of this group has enjoyed an awful lot of success uh, in the past five seasons come postseason. You know, there were two conference finals. There was a Stanley Cup final mixed in there. They got bounced in the first round by um, Boston and, and Pittsburgh. But by and large, they've enjoyed postseason success. And I think the way the season unraveled after the start, in hindsight, not even in hindsight, I remember at the time, Henrik Lundqvist's save percentage was about 950 for the first 15, 20 games. And they were living on the edge of spectacular goaltending. And unless you get it right, uh, you can't win without great goaltending. But boy, oh boy, if you've got a right goaltending uh, every night, you're going to be in trouble. So I, I certainly would agree with uh, Larry uh, in his observations. Um, Jeff Gordon and Chris Drury and their staff, uh, an appointed effort to change a little bit of, of the way this team plays with the personnel they uh, acquired in the offseason. It, it is a different look. It really is. They, this is a very skilled team. And I, I, I do think outside of Edmonton, Chicago, uh, maybe Nashville, there's still a lot of heavy, heavy hockey played in the West. That's not so much the case in the East. And I think that's where the game is going. So uh, the Rangers have certainly gotten out of the ga- uh, gate as a speed and skilled team. Uh, I, I should just ask you quickly, uh, Jimmy VC, what is he up to six goals already? Yeah, yeah, he got his sixth last night. He got three points last night. And, uh, he was a much ballyhooed uh, uh, pursuit uh, by um, you know thirty teams originally, and uh, and the Rangers landed him, and he's been good. And I, you know, listen, we. Been an awful lot of careers. Uh, I don't forget Glenn Sather when he was asked about Peter Pruka. Peter Pruka was a guy that came in here and, and scored 30, right? And, yeah. and I remember Glenn Sather say, "Is he a guy, going to be a guy that scores 30, or is he going to be a 30 goal scorer?" And I think there's a big difference. Uh, I, I, and I think there have been many, 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 many stories, especially in this day and age of youth, that a career is not established in 10 games. But this kid is certainly showing an awful lot of instinctive things that has people pretty excited about his game as a professional. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun tomorrow. I mean, the Oilers are going to be a little hungry uh, after losing two in a row. And, I mean, you probably went through it. Sometimes when you win a game by a lot, are the Rangers going to have the the same fire? Will they be up to play to McDavid? I love all that game-within-the-game stuff, right? Oh, yeah. No, I I, I don't think because the Rangers did not see McDavid last season. Right. So he was injured both times. No, there's there's the buzz. There's no question. Uh, there's the buzz. There's an excitement. Um, I, I do think that the Rangers 
the Rangers don't have have issues with the heavier teams. Uh, they've beaten San Jose soundly. They've beaten uh, uh, St. Louis soundly. Should have beat St. Louis in the second game of the season. Uh, but the quicker teams, the teams that come at pace, um, come with some pace, and certainly uh, the Oilers look, by and large, to be that type of team. Uh, makes for a, a, a challenge, uh, but I just love the way the game is going from a sense of speed and pace. Dave, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for your thoughts on the current Rangers, and uh, yeah, love the love the trips down memory lane with you as well. I guess I'll see you in a couple <laughs> of weeks when you guys are in town. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for calling, and uh, hopefully get a chance to do it again. Right on. That is Dave Maloney, former New York Ranger, former Buffalo Sabre last year of his uh, career in 84-85 and now a, a radio analyst with the New York Rangers. Always great to have him on the show. I, I, I was really interested in how he put that about entitlement with some of the younger players and that word also has a neg- uh, often has a negative connotation but he kind of said you know it's in it's the pl- the young players who come in and they aren't afraid to lug the puck up the ice or 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 be the go-to guy on the team they don't always feel like they have to defer to the older teammates they could feel maybe assertive might be a better word than entitlement but i, I did think that was a pretty interesting uh, use of the word by dave maloney you can always text 63630 the phone number is 7804960063 as dave updated you it is 3-1 for the cubs they got two in the top of the fourth going to the bottom of the inning now in cleveland You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. In the history of the World Series, there have been five comebacks from a 3-1 deficit. The Cubs are trying to make it six. So far, so good. They lead the Indians 3-1 in the bottom of the fourth. NBA tonight, the Raptors up 110-102 on the Wizards with a minute left in the fourth quarter. In the NHL, 2-0 for the Canadians over Vancouver that is now after two periods Beaulieu and Mitchell with the goals the Red Wings lead the Flyers two zip that's uh, halfway through the game later on tonight Penguins against the Ducks and of course if you're an Oilers fan I'm sure most of you are you cheer for the Penguins you cheer against Pacific Division teams it has not been a great start for the Pacific Division and the Oilers do remain in first place I'm Reed Wilkins thanks a lot for tuning in tonight Inside Sports on 630 Ched Bubs from Stony Plain texting in. He says, uh, I would have uh, had Cassian take Eberle's spot on McDavid's line last night. I would have had Lucic and Cassian have a talk with Kadri, told him to stop it or Nylander and Matthews are going to get it. Also, Nurse should have got him alone and given him a warning. If it continued, they uh, would have to actually follow through with it to send a message to the league that this is not going to be tolerated. Uh, I thought I actually thought Nurse had a good game. Uh, he was a martyr there. He hit in the open ice. I thought he was pretty physical with his body position down low. Uh, and I, you know, I thought he did a good job walking the line, moving along the blue line to create a shooting lane when he did score there to tie the game. Uh, I, I know he was on for the Oilers' second goal against. But I think fair points. I think the Oilers are a more assertive team than they were last year. I think we've seen that at times. Uh, you know, again, with consistent, it's just got to be a little more consistent. We're going to be joined by Eskimos uh, president and CEO Len Rhodes after the break. Some great stuff from Jason Moss yesterday, the head coach, about wearing live mics, which they will do on Saturday after refusing to do it a few weeks ago against uh, Montreal. Here's, here's part of Moss's comments. But I ask you this as well. 
if our stadium fans, if, if this is so good for our league and our TSN viewers, what's, what's good for the players, the people that come here? I want to entertain everybody. I mean, I don't want to just entertain people that are watching our games. How about you make me juggle or do something on the sidelines? You want entertainment? You want the head coach to entertain people? Make me do something on the sidelines or open the, the live mic to the broadcast so the whole stadium can hear what I'm saying. You know, I mean, why, why, why do we stop short with TSN just hearing it and viewers hearing it? If it's, if it's that good of an idea and everyone's going to want to stay home now to watch our games because they're live mic'd, well, what does it do to our fans that come and watch games? They're going to maybe want to start staying at home and watching games instead of coming. I'd rather fill our stadium than anything. So if I have to do something in our, on, on the sidelines that's going to be so entertaining to people at home to watch, how about I come, we come up with something else where I'm on the sidelines riding a unicycle or juggling or being a mime or doing something so that people in our stadium come to the games and get entertained while I'm still calling plays, coaching the football team, and doing everything else because ultimately that's what they want. They want someone that's going to entertain our fans and entertain everybody else. Now, if that sounds ridiculous to you, that probably is what, what it sounds like to me when someone tells me I have to be live mic'd. And I state to them, well, not every team is going to be live mics. So how do you deal with that? I'm the only head coach that calls plays and is in no huddle. How is that fair? You know, what about that? I actually like to see a little bit of mime work in not just the CFL, pro sports in general. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Javier Baez, home run for the Cubs. They now lead it 4-1 in the top of the fifth. Corey Kluber taken out of the game after surrendering, surrendering the home run. Andrew Miller now pitching for Cleveland as the Cubs try to rally and finally win the World Series. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Ricky Ray coming up in half an hour. It'll be great to catch up with the quarterback of the Toronto Argos, of course, former Edmonton Eskimo. Here are the team nominees for Most Outstanding Player Awards for your Edmonton Eskimos. Mike Riley, Most Outstanding Player. Sean White is uh, nominated for both Most Outstanding Canadian and the Special Teams Award. Defensive player, Almondo Sewell. Offensive lineman, Justin Sorenston. An outstanding rookie, a guy who hasn't played that many games but has done very well. Receiver, Brandon Zilstra. So they'll do the West nominees next. Uh, I, I would think probably Sean White in special teams has the best chance to win uh, win a league award, but he'll be in tough uh, in, in that award in that category. I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell seems to be a lock for most outstanding player. It's going to be fun on, on Saturday. Great weather expected, first of all, for the uh, Eskimos-Argos game, and they got that big 50-50 game, and the Eskimos involved in some other cool stuff as well. And I'm pleased to welcome back to the show president and CEO of your Edmonton Eskimos, it's Len Rhodes. Hey, Len, how's it going? I'm good, Reed. Thank you. I'm, uh, I've got the TV screen on. I like that 4-1 score. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that uh, you still made time to talk to me. I, I always wonder on a night like this, like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, do people have the TV on with the sound down and they're listening to me, or is do, am I just like basically talking to my mom and dad right now? I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, but thanks for for making time for me. How are uh, how are ticket sales going for for Saturday's game? Because you got the big fifty fifty that's starting at uh, at fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, they're they're pretty good actually. The last two days they've uh, started to move, so uh, as of tonight uh, we were at uh, twenty seven thousand. I think. 
uh, you know, uh, just a few days ago, I was thinking we're going to hit 30,000. Now I think we may hit 32, 33, but I'm not sure. It comes down to uh, fans coming to the game, but we know that uh, we have a history when we do some exciting things that people show up. And, you know, as you know, Reid, uh, 43 days between games is uh, borders on the ridiculous. And we had to get you back in the limelight to make sure that fans had a reason. And, off, of course, the uh, players have assured that we're in the playoffs, and that's a beautiful thing. And we're, we know we're in third place either on the east side or the west side. Yeah, it's well, and that we don't know. I mean, I get asked that almost every day by somebody. We all we only know that you guys can't finish second in the West. We're going to see yeah. what happens with Winnipeg on Friday night. So the Eskimos' result may or may not determine uh, what happens with that one. Uh, now, tell us a little bit about how the, how the fifty fifty is working, Len. And uh, I, I believe a certain number of people are just going to be handed a ticket when they walk in, right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, so the first 20,000 fans who come to the game are going to be given, actually, a 50-50 ticket worth uh, $5, 20000 to get things going. And uh, that means we've uh, bought $100,000 worth of tickets. And 50000 half, because it's 50-50, 50000 will go to the take-home jackpot immediately before anyone walks into the stadium. And the other 50000 goes towards supporting amateur football. And... We're already on track to uh, do a significant donation again this year to support amateur football. But on the 50-50 side, uh, we're going to be ready. We're opening the gates uh, two hours before kickoff. Normally, our gates open an hour before game time, but this time they're going to be open at noon so that we can handle the crowds coming in, distribute the tickets, and then, of course, be ready to sell tickets because if it comes anywhere close to what we did a few years ago when we uh, had a carryover jackpot, we know that uh, Edmontonians love those 50-50s. Yeah, that's that's uh, going to be fun for sure. I'll be going early to make sure I have one, absolutely. Uh, Len Rhodes, President and CEO of the Edmonton Eskimos, joining us. Len, uh, something else pretty cool today. Uh, I mean, I, I have the news release, but I'll just tee you up to tell the story. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, what, what what went on today with a, a donation to uh, to the Edmonton Women's Shelter? Yes, Reed. Um, as people who know me uh, now uh, realize that the ending domestic violence is a cause that's extremely close to my heart. Unfortunately, I'm somewhat of an expert on the uh, topic, uh, not by choice, trust me. But I grew up in a household where uh, domestic violence was quite rampant for many years, uh, geared towards my mom uh, at times for my dad. So I've uh, been given an outstanding platform being with the Edmonton Eskimos community owned has allowed me to do things that can truly make a difference in this community and that one's really really important to me so today for the fifth consecutive year we've made a donation of uh, footwear from Reebok Reebok partnered with us my former employer and uh, we donated uh, 254 pairs of shoes to Windhouse the Edmonton women's shelter and uh, for me it's really important because it, it really represents uh, the need for people to have clothing and shoes, but unfortunately, even symbolically, it represents that some women and children literally have to run out of their house without the shoes on their feet, and uh, no one deserves to go through that. But until they, you know, we all solve this problem, at least uh, we do have services like the Windhouse, but it's up to us to help out. And uh, now 
after five years, uh, we've donated over 1,500 pairs of shoes to them. So I'm really proud of that. Yeah, that's great stuff, Lynn. Good for you guys. And I know you're so dedicated to, to that cause and, and others uh, similar. So, uh, you know, so are our players, Reed. You yeah. know, what's really important is that this is not a one-man show. I'm only as good as my players. My, <laughs> you got to love, A, the CFL for what our players do, but especially here in Edmonton, our our guys go out and do so much more than people even realize. And on this uh, topic, Ryan King, uh, Mike Riley, J.C. Sherritt have really stepped up, and they've been going to schools for the last few years and talking to the young men and telling them, A, it's not cool to hurt a woman, and B, they're showing what real men do, you know, the role models and some of the stereotypical stuff that some young men grow up with is just wrong. And we've got to make sure that we take care of the women and the children in our community and our players really do make a difference when they go into a classroom and talk on this topic people listen otherwise you know a teacher or a parent can tell that young man to do certain things or not to do certain things and they roll their eyes because they don't really respect the person who's speaking but when mike riley walks in people respect him and they listen and he's such a great role model my hat's off to our players well said len I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a football-related question, and you and I have had discussions on air and off air about, you know, issues in the CFL, possible changes. We've talked about the season moving up. We've talked about the schedule. I want to bring up something that I think should happen. Is there any talk, and and maybe you're going to totally disagree with me, and that's fine, but, I mean, if, if if if, if the CFL did not have divisions... This weekend, the Eskimos would be playing to host a playoff game as the yeah. fourth best team in the league. I don't yeah. think we need an East-West Grey Cup anymore. I'm fine with just a nine-team league. Does that have any traction, or is that just me screaming out into the wilderness and no one cares? <laughs> well, I think everything, everything's worth a discussion. Does it have traction? That's a you know, I, I guess I'd have to officially say right now there's no traction or movement for that in any meaningful way. But, uh, heck, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. I uh, look at the situation as well, and it would be hard to disagree with you, Reed. But, you know, I've got to think, go back before I got into the game when I was just, a, a, you know, a, a fan like everyone else and how I looked at the game. I love those uh, East-West rivalries coming down to the Great Cup because I know growing up in Montreal when the uh, Cup was hosted there and you'd have these teams from out West coming into Montreal, it was a cultural experience, and uh, that is something that's so classic to the CFL. And the fact that Grey Cup, uh, for the most part, is still accessible to the everyday person. And, you know, in Toronto, they've just uh, adjusted some of the prices to make sure that it is accessible. I love that East-West thing because, really, when you look at Grey Cup, it is Canada's largest party. And I don't know of any other activity that really has people traveling from coast to coast to watch a final game. And... The game is really exciting, but it's the week leading up to it, the Great Cup Festival. And when you have fans from all nine teams acting silly and being passionate from the airports to the streets to the bars, that's quite something. And to live that and experience that, I don't know if you'd get that if it was uh, West versus West or East versus East. And especially uh, while it's still possible to have uh, a Calgary-Edmonton final, it, it would be truly engaging, and I'd love it, but I don't know about how many other people across the country would be engaged in the same way. All right, fair enough. I'll probably keep bugging you about it. But, you uh, should. Okay. You should. I've been bugging people about other thoughts that I have. <laughs> some move forward and some don't. 
Len, thanks for making time for us. Uh, I'll, I'll see you at uh, the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium on uh, on, on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, great stuff with the donation to uh, to Winhouse. And thanks for updating us on the 50-50. That's going to be really fun. Good to have you on it's the show again. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Reed. Right on. That is Len Rhodes, president and CEO of your Edmonton Eskimos. Well, there you go, everybody. Uh, looking like a crowd that should be over 30,000 for the game against the Argos. That's nice. Uh, but Len says no traction or movement towards uh, ditching the divisions in the CFL. So I guess it's just old Wilkie sitting there complaining about it. <laughs> I, I think a few of you agree with me, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that, that fans are uh, that dedicated to it anymore. A lot of people I talk to. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. My goodness, 5-1 for the Cubs now. 5-1 for the Cubs going to the bottom of the fifth. They added two more in the top of the fifth. The Chicago Cubs counting down the outs to a World Series championship. We'll see if they can hang on. We'll keep you updated as we move along in the NHL tonight. Now 2-1, the Red Wings lead the Flyers after two. Canadians still up 2-0 on the Canucks. That's in the third, even though the shots are 33-18 for Vancouver. Penguins and Ducks a little bit later on. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Cam Talbot in his second season with the Edmonton Oilers. He did not play against his former club, the New York Rangers, last year. Obviously expect him to play tomorrow. 5-1, Cubs leading, bottom of the fifth. Going to get to Don on the phone line in a second. couple of texts to 630-630. This texter says, Heaven forbid you have the two best teams playing in the Grey Cup. Come on, who cares which side of the country they are from? Uh, that texter agrees with me. Richard does not. He says, Keep the divisions. East versus West makes sense regardless of the size of the league. I wouldn't want an all-California Stanley Cup, for example. Okay, well, did it kill the NFL to have an all-California Super Bowl in the 90s when San Diego played San Francisco? Did it kill the NFL to have the Giants play the Patriots twice, both Eastern Seaboard teams? Did it kill the NFL to have Seattle and Denver, two Western teams, play in a Super Bowl? Is it killing Major League Baseball to have two cities relatively close together, the Chicago and Cleveland, playing in the uh, World Series? I don't think so. I think we're past geography. Don on the line. Hey, Don. Hey, Reed. How are you? Doing great. So, okay, I, I kind of see your point about ditching the divisions. But how would the playoffs work? The playoffs like, would work. You... The playoffs would work where the teams would be seeded one through six. So the top two teams would get a bye. In this case, it would be Calgary and and BC if they hang on to the second seed. Six would play three. Five would play four. And then the two survivors of those would play one and two in the semifinals. And then the two semifinal winners would play in a neutral site Grey Cup. So you, okay, so hang on. So what I'm getting, you're thinking the two that survived the six. It would still be a six team. It would still be six teams in the playoffs, just like it is right. now. But instead right. of the division winners getting a bye, the two teams with the best overall records would get a bye into hosting the semifinals, right? In the final. No, the semifinals, because there'd be. 
there wouldn't be divisions, so you wouldn't call it the division final anymore. You'd call it the league semifinal, right? Okay. So now I'm on. See, I'm like trying to. So, so basically, okay. So yeah, there wouldn't be a Western semi or an Eastern. No, semi. they're you just. Have, they're okay, just like so. The first the first weekend of the playoffs would be the quarterfinals. Okay. Yeah. The sixth yeah. team against the third seed, and the fifth team visiting the fourth team. Yeah. And number one and two would get the week off, and then they would host the league semifinals the next weekend. So, uh, so that's what I'm saying. The Eskimos are could very well have the fourth best record in the league, but finish fourth in their division. So they'd have to go on the road. Under my format, they'd be trying to get a home playoff game. And you know what? It makes sense. I I don't see an issue with that because realistically, you know, like who needs the division thing, especially in a nine-team league like our, our like the CFL. Yeah, I mean everybody plays each other at least twice anyway. You could you could That's base the schedule. I mean you'd you'd have to play two teams three times. You could either have a rotation or base it on last year's standings. It's not hard to figure out, Don. No, I, I, that's why I was talking to ask about it, right? Yeah, that's cool. So now, so now I understand what you're thinking, and I, I, I agree with you. You got well. We should start a, a letter writing campaign or something, because something. <laughs> Thanks, Don. <laughs> no problem, Reed. Take care. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. One of the big stories for the, the CFL this season, and especially the Eskimos, because they got in big trouble for not doing it, is the live mic situation. The Eskimos will wear them on uh, Saturday. I played that clip from Jason Moss earlier. Mike Riley indicated that he talked to the CFL Players Association about this, and I'm pleased to be joined by the executive director of the CFLPA, former Edmonton Eskimo Brian Ramsey. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Reed. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to talk to you. Know everybody in the players' association is uh, always willing to be interviewed. They just don't like the microphones during the game, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I haven't uh, haven't heard a lot of uh, positive things about this, and obviously the Eskimos uh, got in a little bit of trouble for not wearing them earlier in the season. Uh, they will on Saturday. Mike Riley referenced, uh, you know, a discussion with you about uh, about what was going on there. What what is what is your take with the mics and maybe uh, I, I don't know how much insight you can give us in what you talked to about with Mike, but just maybe some of the player concerns you're hearing. Well, I think um, some of the apprehension um, from the players is, uh, you know, the ability for for certain things to get picked up and 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 both. Mike and, and players from other clubs have done a very good job of, uh, you know, discussing that, and, and, and Mike did again yesterday. So um, in this particular instance, Mike and I had a, a chance to talk uh, at length quite a few times on this, and, and ultimately he made the decision where he was comfortable uh, in, in wearing the mic for this week's game. Uh, is, is, is there a line here for you between promoting the game and competitive intelligence that that maybe has turned out to be a little trickier than we might have thought going in? Well, I think our job at the association is to protect our members uh, first and foremost. And and in this case, it is the players' right and and always will be um, to, to if if he is comfortable to wear that microphone in a game. Um, so that, that is our first concern and always will be, like I said, uh, to make sure that our members' rights are protected in, in what they feel comfortable doing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> then 
I, I mean, is this? Do you hope then this is just a one-off that it's it's this season and maybe we don't have to go down this road again? Oh, sorry, with the, uh, with the live mic initiative. With wearing the live mics, yeah. I, I think this is something that we re- we will discuss and revisit in the off season for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this was an initiative that we've tried a couple years ago um, in, in an earlier game and, and that we brought back in, in this year and. And ultimately, the, the decision is, is always up to the player if there's a comfort level there. And uh, our job on the association side is to, to make sure that the, uh, the players are comfortable. And, uh, and in this instance, I think, um, you, you know, this was brought into the limelight a bit. But ultimately, uh, Mike has made the decision that he's comfortable in, in wearing this and, and he will for the game. Okay. It just seems to be, Brian, that... that even though a lot of players are doing it, whether it's an Eskimo or not, is that they're kind of not comfortable doing it, though. That they're they're doing it to just go along with with something the league wants. Um, I mean, do do you feel that, or if if that's the case, do you find that concerning at all? No, um, I ultimately I believe through discussions with the players that it is their decision. I think. Um you know, the organization in Edmonton has done a very good job in supporting Mike um, in doing it. I, I do believe that there was, um, you know, some unfactual um, discussions going on in, in the last week or so of, of what was really happening. And, and I, uh, I believe that the players are, are comfortable in that it, it is their decision if, if they want to move forward with this initiative or not. Okay. I, mean, I, I think there's a certain level of trust. And um, Mike has spoken to this with um, with the broadcasting partner TSN uh, that they take care of our players, which they they have done uh, extremely well. And uh, you know they not allowing um, you, you know a player to be put in a bad light. Okay, Brian. Well, we appreciate your perspective on that. It's been quite the story for this season. Uh, I know we'll talk again, probably about uh, about something else down the road. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Ray. All right, that's Brian Ramsey, executive director of the CFL Players Association. So the players do not have to wear the mics. It's right in the collective bargaining agreement. But uh, obviously, uh, you know, every team has decided to do it at some point throughout the season. 7.57, Cubs, but the Indians have two on with two out in the bottom of the fifth. We'll keep you updated. And Ricky Ray next on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.